It's a good day for workers. It's a good day for public servants. Ontario's controversial wage law, targeted by public sector workers as unfair, tossed aside by the courts. Tonight, the reaction and how the Ford government says it plans to respond. Good evening. We will bring you all of today's developments from Queen's Park in just a moment. But we begin with more shocking allegations surrounding one Toronto high school. Some workers with York Memorial have been telling CTV News Toronto about the troubling events they've witnessed inside its walls. Tonight, new and disturbing claims. CTV's Allison Hurst reports. Near the end of the day, a brawl spills out in front of York Memorial Collegiate. And I just see a girl get slammed on the wall. So, you know, I'm in shock. Toronto police confirmed they responded to a fight, saying no one was injured. All of us need to do better. Yeah. Well, the school is not safe. This is just one example of ongoing violence that's been reported at this school. CTV News interviewed two staff members on condition of anonymity for fear they could lose their jobs for speaking. I think right now, it, our school is mo most likely the most unsafe of all of TDSB. Earlier this month, more than a dozen staff refused to work, citing safety concerns. During meetings, they reported students could not use certain bathrooms. Teachers have described seeing uh, individuals that acted like, quote, bouncers, out, unquote, um, outside these bathrooms. Staff members allege inside there were drug deals and use. Students are smoking up in the washroom, so much so that other kids who want to use the washroom uh, legitimately are not you going. We had two, two overdoses on one particular day. And then I believe about a week later or 10 days later, there was another overdose. And at one particular bathroom, there was one dedicated to sex acts. In a statement to CTV News, the Toronto District School Board says they are continuing to provide resources to York Memorial CI to support student and staff safety and well-being. Additionally, school-based safety monitors are being assigned, resulting in increased supervision in key locations, including bathrooms identified by students and staff. Samaria Jackson says the bathrooms have been a problem. Well, we can barely use the washroom because there, there's no toilet paper in there. It's hard to... and. In the time that you do get to use the bathroom, the bathrooms are packed, so you never know what will happen. I don't feel safe at the school because of um, the type of stuff that's happening here. I mean, honestly, it's just chaos in general. It's, it's indescribable, the amount of stuff that's been going on at the school recently. This is why this mom says she drops off and picks up her two kids at lunch and after school. Well, I pray that hopefully they are safe. Now, a group of students have set up a change.org petition calling for safer schools. They have demands for the TDSB, including a list of five things that includes things like no police presence, allocating more resources to the school, and setting up a student union. Reporting live, I'm Allison Hurst. Nathan, back to you. All right, thank you, Allison. A shocking home invasion attempt caught on camera. Police warning residents across the GTA to be vigilant as they respond to a record number of break-ins. That story just ahead. Turning to the ongoing wage war between the province's public sector workers and the Ford government. After months of protests and legal battles, in a late development today, an Ontario court has quashed a controversial law meant to cap salaries. CTV's Austin Delaney joins us live now with the details. Austin. 
Yeah, 10 unions took the Ford government to court over this law that limits wage increases to 1% per year, saying it was unconstitutional. Today, a judge agreed, saying Ontarians have a right to collective bargaining. Kill that bill! Kill that bill! And by the end of the day, an Ontario court had killed the bill, which limited most public sector wage hikes to 1%. Doug Ford, when you go to your local restaurant, do you tip only 1%? No! Frontline healthcare workers had been rallying outside Sunnybrook Hospital, calling on the government to repeal Bill 124. By afternoon, a judge had ruled it was unconstitutional. And I'm just coming back from a rally at Sunnybrook over Bill 124. And to get this on my way back to the office, I tell you, we couldn't be uh, more relieved and welcome this decision. Hospitals in Ontario, like Sunnybrook, where Sharika Washington works in the OR, have been understaffed. It's, it's overwhelming. There's a lot of people coming in. And we're always working every day. We work short staff some days. Short staff, the union argues, because wages are not competitive enough to retain frontline workers. An example, again, of what can be accomplished when workers and unions stand and fight together to protect our charter rights, right? This is about solidarity working. You have 10 unions who stood together to fight what was clearly unconstitutional legislation passed by the Ford government. The NDP writes in a statement, my message to Ford is simple. Do not appeal this decision. Bill 124 has wreaked untold damage on our precious public service. Mr. Ford's wage-capping legislation has created staffing crisis in key sectors like education and health care, and Ontarians have been paying the price. The courts have told us what we all already knew, that Doug Ford's Bill 124 was not only unconstitutional, but it was wrong. It restricted people's right to fair bargaining. In particular, it's damaged our relationship with frontline health care workers, nurses, uh, who feel disrespected. The government has broken trust. Back outside Sunnybrook, there was support from drivers passing the noon hour rally. We deserve a raise. Our, our contract's been up since January 1st, and they want to give us a 24 cent an hour raise after what we've been through. Some carrying placards that read, calling us heroes doesn't pay our bills. And the unions say if the, if the government, the Ford government, wants to build bridges with unions, it should th not think about appealing at all and get back to the bargaining table. Reporting live from Austin Delaney. Thank you, Austin. Queen's Park reporter Siobhan Morris joins us now with a look at what's next in this developing story. Siobhan. Well, Michelle, despite those appeals from unions, the government is signaling to light that it does intend to appeal this court decision. They say they're still reviewing it, though, so we don't know what legal basis they will use to file that appeal. This bill, Bill 124, has been so central to the way that the Ford government has been operating over the last 18 months or so, so not really a surprise that they do intend to appeal. This does sort of pause the process that the unions intend to go through to get what they see as lost wages while this bill has been in place. The financial accountability officer said in September that could be in the neighborhood of $8 billion. So a temporary pause may be on the labor front, but the Ford government is facing heat in another department. After days of mounting questions about whether developers were tipped off about plans to open parts of the Greenbelt to build homes. I've signed an affidavit requesting an investigation. A probe by Ontario's Integrity Commissioner about whether the Premier or Housing Minister violated the MPP's code of ethics. I think we need this investigation so we can restore trust from, with the people of this province who feel, and I think rightfully so, 
the, what, the government's actions do not pass the smell test. The integrity commissioner is reviewing that request. I'm going to ask again. The NDP asked a pointed question of the Minister of Municipal Affairs and Housing three times. Did the minister or any other government or PC party official share with any landowner Order. information about the government's Order. plan to remove lands from the Greenbelt before it became public? Yes or no? It's a straight answer the minister did not give. I will meet with anyone, a municipal official, a not-for-profit, Habitat for Humanity. In the interest of getting housing built, while Steve Clark wouldn't get into what he said behind closed doors. I followed all of the rules that our government has put forward for posting. I didn't hide the posting. I was honest, open and transparent. Opposition parties aren't satisfied. It stinks. And the longer it goes, like a lot of things that stink, each day it stinks more. Pointing to news reports that developers cozy with the government recently bought land on the section of the Greenbelt in question. What looks fishy here uh, is it, it could look like uh, the government is making backroom deals uh, that benefit PC donors. It's something new Democrats have asked the Auditor General to look at. If the integrity commissioner does decide to investigate and does find that ethics rules were broken, there are a couple things that could happen. They could find that there needs to be no penalty at all or a penalty all the way up to declaring a seat vacant. In this case, it would be of the premier and the housing minister. MPPs, though, would then vote on that penalty, deciding to either reject it or accept it. Reporting live from Queen's Park, I'm Siobhan Morris. Michelle, back to you. Thank you, Siobhan. Dumping trash illegally and watching it pile up. The eyesore that just keeps getting worse around the city and why nothing is being done. We explain just ahead. And still with Queens Park, the province's fiscal watchdog says the Ford government is spending less than expected for the first half of the 2022-2023 fiscal year. All sectors spent less than expected. Uh, led by the other program sector, 1.7 billion, 859 a million less in health than they expected, 413 million less in education. So while the government is spending less than expected this year, overall spending is higher this fiscal year than it was last year. Uh, so through the first half of this year, this province spent 3.6 billion more than it did last year, about 4.7% higher. <clears throat> Led by health, education, and interestingly this time around, interest on debt. And that's largely because of the the rising interest rates that we've been seeing recently. That's not something we've actually put in one of these reports for a while. In this report today, the Financial Accountability Office says the PCs came in about $3.5 billion lower than projected. Highlights include education spending, which was up around $400 million to pay for a new program for parents to fund private tutors, and healthcare spending, which saw a reduction of about $14 million. Meanwhile, Orange Air Ambulance says it is seeing an increase in the number of patient transfers involving children. And those transports are due to respiratory illness. The news comes as pediatric hospitals are seeing a rise in patients seeking care, pushing facilities to the brink. However, Orange says it has not taken any of those patients outside of the province. After a pandemic pause, the holiday train is back on track and rolling into town tonight. Into its 24th year, the traveling event raises money, food and awareness for local food banks along the CP rail network. There'll be a big party tonight at its stop near Runnymede in St. Clair West. But we have a sneak peek of what's in store for everyone. Lindsay Morrison is here with a look. Hey, Lindsay. 
Hey, Nathan, and this is pretty cool to be standing here with the one and only CP Holiday Train. Look at this train. It is 14 carts long. It is covered in hundreds of thousands of LED lights, and it's just beautiful. You can understand why so many families have made this a part of their holiday tradition, coming out and enjoying the train. And it's a pretty good night to be coming out to see it ahead of the active weather. Let's talk a little bit about your forecast and what's in store. We'll begin, though, with a look at the current weather conditions. Uh, Temperature-wise, it's a little cool out here, bundle up if you are going to be heading out. That temperature looks mild, but there is a bit of a wind chill factor. Here's a look at those winds. They're coming out of the southeast right now. Winds are going to strengthen tomorrow big time. There's a special weather statement in effect. There's also a wind warning for the Niagara area. There's rain on the way too. It is waiting in the wings. It's going to move in overnight tonight, and some areas are also going to get some snow tomorrow. Lots to talk about when it comes to your weather forecast, and of course, we will have more from the CP holiday train, but for now, Nathan, I'll send it back inside to you. All right, thank you, Lindsay. The time change from daylight saving is known to cause problems for a lot of people, especially during the morning commute. But police in York Region say this year it has created an opportunity for thieves, and they're taking full advantage. CTV's Janice Golding is in York Region tonight with the news homeowners need to know. Janice. Hi, Michelle. Yes, police say that many people are back to work and thieves are taking full advantage of it and the fact that it's getting dark around five or so, which makes maneuvering around without being seen a heck of a lot easier. This surveillance video shows just how the thieves operate. Two men equipped with a ladder arrive at a York region home. And they're trying to hide around the house right now from us. Just lost visual. The homeowner security system notified her of the suspicious activity, so she called police. This guy's continuing to walk uh, southbound through that fortunate area. Uniformed officers, the K-9 unit, and the Air 2 support team quickly mobilized. They're taking one into custody. Soon arresting one of the duo. They've taken the time to watch the time of day so it gets dark. Um, they've made sure that their house is on, the house is unoccupied, and they've taken the effort to know enough to go to the second floor to bypass the alarm system. York Regional Police say this is just one of 77 break-and-enters in the region over a two-week period, which started just after daylight savings time commenced. That's the highest it's been since 2019, and police say the break-ins appear organized and targeted. We've noticed a few break-and-enters where they've entered the second floor of the residence. Quite often, the alarm systems aren't um, hooked up. While it's been years since her home was broken into, Dee says she wouldn't wish it on anyone else. It's a whole slew of insurance and can I get this back and this was a treasure and I can't replace this. It's a bit sickening. And now Dee says she's always vigilant. You make sure your alarms are on, your doors are locked, your windows are locked, you check everything twice and three times. York Regional Police say it pays to be careful and have these tips for homeowners. Always lock doors and windows even on the second floor. Put interior lights on timers to give thieves the impression you're home. Ask a friend or neighbor to pick up mail, newspapers, shovel snow, or park in your driveway if you're away. And install a security camera that provides updates to your mobile phone. He can't go very quickly. He looks pretty thick in there. He's uh, tripping up a lot. While officers arrested a 30-year-old man in this case from November the 12th, there are many other suspects from a variety of break-ins in the region who are still outstanding. 
We're live right now on Hunters Glen Road in Aurora, which is where police apprehended that one suspect. An area they say is pretty enticing to thieves, given the homes are situated very far apart and in a wooded area. That being stressed, uh, said, York Regional Police stressed that these crimes are taking place right across the region. We're putting live from Janice Golding. Now back to Michelle. Thank you, Janice. Elsewhere today, a man is recovering tonight after being hit by a vehicle in a Scarborough parking lot. Our CTV News chopper was over the scene near Kennedy and Shepard around the noon hour. He was taken to hospital with serious injuries. Police are investigating. Also tonight, police are asking for help in an assault investigation. They're looking for this woman, believed to be about 35 years old. She's accused of attacking a 62-year-old woman near Danforth and Coxwell Sunday morning. Police say the victim suffered life-altering injuries. The suspect has dark hair and was last seen wearing a white hoodie, yellow puffy jacket, jeans, and orange running shoes. Fireworks are now banned in Brampton. All in favor? Okay, the motion carries. A special city council meeting was held Monday night to amend a bylaw to prohibit the use, possession, and sale of fireworks in Brampton. Violators could face fines of up to $1,000. Residents were frustrated with uh, how uh, Diwali and Victoria Day and Canada Day had sort of gotten out of control. And uh, um, we've sent a very clear message that uh, some of the out-of-control parties won't be tolerated. Brampton is also moving to restrict election signs on private property. Council has approved an amendment to a bylaw, which means they can only be displayed in windows. Brampton says this is in response to overwhelming resident complaints. A national ban on some single-use plastic items kicks in three weeks from today, but it looks like a number of Canadians have already started cutting back. A Statistics Canada survey found that in 2019, 23% of respondents said they were using at least one plastic straw a week. That number fell to 20% two years later. The survey also shows 96% use their own reusable bags or containers when grocery shopping in 2019. It was up slightly last year to 97%. The new law will make it illegal to manufacture or import most plastic straws and grocery bags in Canada, stir sticks, cutlery, and takeout containers will also be banned. Next year, the sale of those items will be prohibited. And those plastics still getting mixed in with Toronto's trash. And if you think you're seeing more garbage lining city streets, you're not alone. CTV News investigation shows how it's piling up amid lack of action from city officials. Our John Woodward joins us. And John, the city's already reacting. Yeah, Nathan, one city councillor is wasting no time hoping to turn our trash talk into action. Jeff Green feels like every time he goes out, he sees another one, a pile of garbage left on the street. Garbage piles have been everything from uh, bicycles to furniture to mattresses to the most disgusting things you can imagine. Piles, he says, seem to proliferate even if the city puts up a sign. It's been a problem for over a decade now. It's just gotten worse. And it turns out city figures obtained by CTV News show illegal dumping is on the rise. Complaints of trash dumped on public roadways were about 300 a year even before the pandemic, but this year it's more than doubled to about 750, and the year isn't even out. As for what's driving it, Councillor Jennifer McKelvey, who chairs the city's Infrastructure and Environment Committee, points to the effects of the pandemic. One thing I know throughout the pandemic is a lot of people did a lot of sorting in their house, they did a lot of cleaning, they did a lot of purging, and that generated a large volumes of material. But other figures show there could be more going on. When it comes to enforcement, that's weighed down in the same time period. 
There used to be 22 charges a year for illegal dumping on public property. That's down to just one each year for the past two years. City staff said in an email it takes time and resources to track illegal dumpers down. And during the COVID-19 pandemic, there were times when enforcement resources had to be redirected to urgent pandemic enforcement efforts. They're not wrong. With the residents' permission, CTV News set up a camera in a known dump site, but we didn't see anything on camera. There are other methods. When people leave waste behind, they often leave something else, packaging with addresses. That led us to this nearby apartment where we showed it to the family who lives there. You can see her name right there. They said they didn't receive this package taken, they say, the packaging possibly left behind by the thief. We didn't receive this one. Yes. So someone maybe take, take this one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The trash trends have Councillor McKelvey saying she's going to push for action at City Hall. I think we have to ask city staff to dig deeper into this. Jeff Green hopes she can get answers and that it results in more than just another sign. Councillor McKelvey says they could look at redeploying resources back just as they did with garbage in city parks when they picked up 250 tons of trash. And there could be another reason behind this phenomenon that all has all to do with dollars and cents. So we'll check into that tomorrow. Reporting live, I'm John Woodward. Back to you. All right. Thank you, John. And if you have a story idea for CTV News Investigates, please let us know. You can email investigate at ctv.ca or visit our website for more secure and anonymous ways to get in touch. Coming up, unleashing the power of generosity. It's Giving Tuesday. Inboxes everywhere today flooded with requests for your donation dollars. How you can support the movement at this time of great need. And I'm Pat Foran. Coming up on Consumer Alert, Ford has announced a major recall of its pickup trucks due to fears their windshield wipers could quit working. The Toronto man says the wipers on his truck haven't worked for months and he's concerned he could get in an accident if they're not repaired soon. All of my reports, that's just ahead. We are getting into the holiday spirit with the CP Holiday Train. There's a big event happening in Toronto tonight, and the weather's looking pretty good. Here's tonight at a glance. This is the calm before the storm because we have some active weather rolling in through the overnight hours, and it's going to have a big impact on tomorrow as well. A full look at your forecast is coming up, and stay with us. We have another night of great shows for you tonight, right here on CTV. Ford has announced a major recall of more than half a million of its pickup trucks, which could potentially have their windshield wipers quit working. Supply chain issues may also be adding to this problem, as a Toronto man says the wipers on his Ford truck haven't worked in months. Pat Foran has the story on Consumer Alert. Pat. Thanks, Michelle. And Nathan, the recall involves newer Ford trucks, but a Toronto man says the wipers on his 2018 Ford pickup quit working more than two months ago. He's been unable to get parts and says with winter weather on the way, it's not safe to be driving it. Brian Moore of Toronto has a 2018 Ford F-150 pickup truck. It drives great except for one thing. The windshield motor stopped working, so he has no functioning windshield wipers. As long as it's rain, I can manage. But when it turns to snow and ice and dirt, that's going to be miserable. I can't see. There is a recall of the Ford F-150 model years 2021 and 2022. It's more than 450,000 trucks in the U.S. and more than 100,000 in Canada. Ford says the wiper motors will be replaced free of charge. Moore says his 2018 truck falls outside the recall, but he says his truck is under warranty and there are no parts to repair it. 
Try just turning them off and turning them on, see if they'll reset, but they're not doing anything. It's even hard to see when they're sitting stuck in the middle of the window. It makes it awkward, too. When the wipers quit working, Moore contacted Ford. They said the parts were on back order. It's been two and a half months, and he still has no idea when the parts might come in. Ford is required to issue a safety recall because in the case of rain, sleet or snow, there is an increased risk of a crash. With winter weather on the way, Moore is concerned for his and other safety, but says he needs a vehicle to get to work. All I'm asking them to give me is a rental. They say no, they won't. They won't be responsible for any damage because they can't see. And I'm just, I don't know what else to do. CTV News reached out to Ford of Canada and they agreed to look into Moore's case. The next day, Moore said Ford agreed to offer him a rental vehicle, which he can keep at no charge until his wipers are repaired. CTV News, you're the best. I couldn't have done it without you. Thank you all so, so much. Thanks a lot, Pat. And if you have a Ford truck with wipers that have quit working, contact your dealer. If your truck is under recall, you should get a letter in the new year. Ford said there have been no accidents or injuries related to the wiper recall. On your side, I'm Pat Foran. If you have a consumer story idea, email us at alert at ctv.ca. Great crowd at Nathan Phillips Square tonight. And you know what's also going to bring out the crowds tonight? The holiday train. That's a surefire way to light up kids' faces. Yeah, rolls into town. Can't wait to see what is on it. Hey, Lindsay. Hey, Nathan and Michelle. Yeah, the event is taking place tonight at 750 Runny Mead. And that's the address. The time that the train will be rolling in is about 815. And there's going to be quite a celebration. I mean, look at this train. It is so cool. We're standing here at the locomotive, but this train is about a thousand feet in length. There are so many lights on it. And at the event tonight, there's going to be a concert. And anyone who wants to come on down and check it out is encouraged to bring a donation for the local food bank, which in this case, the one benefit fitting is the Daily Bread Food Bank. It's going to be a great night, especially because the weather is cooperating at least for this evening. Then things are really going to start to change into the day tomorrow. Lots to talk about in your forecast. Let's get right to it. Weather is brought to you by Train, the most reliable heating and cooling brand. It's hard to stop a train. We are under a special weather statement here in the city of Toronto, warning of strong winds. It's a special weather statement for us, but it's a wind warning for the Niagara area now that was recently upgraded by Environment Canada. Gusts of up to 90 kilometers per hour going to be possible there. We could experience gusts close to about 60, 70 K here in the city of Toronto could be closer to about 80 K in places like Hamilton and Kingston. As the afternoon goes on tomorrow, we are going to be dealing with some active weather. First, in fact, through the overnight hours, we're going to see the rain begin. So around the midnight hour or uh, at approximately 2 AM, that wet weather begins. The heaviest rain falls through tomorrow morning. So just a heads up on that. It's going to clear out as we make our way into the afternoon. But look what happens next with those winds kicking in. Lake effect snow is forecast to the east, especially of Georgian Bay and Lake Huron. But a few flurries are expected to reach us here in the city of Toronto. We're just not necessarily anticipating accumulation. We will, however, get significant rainfall, maybe up to about 20 millimeters of it. As for the snow, 
parts of cottage country into uh, Gray Bruce County. This is where we could see a couple of centimeters of snow accumulate. In fact, uh, Environment Canada also just recently issuing a snow squall watch because of the winds and that snow could be some reduced visibility and locally the hardest hit areas could pick up 15 to 25 centimeters of snow. Now, how's this for a change? 10 degrees by the time we're waking up tomorrow morning, but in the afternoon we're going to be around the freezing mark. Temperature story over the next seven days looks like this. We're calmer on Thursday for the first day of December. Daytime high three degrees. Friday is looking great, sunny and seven. The weekend we see a few showers into the day on Saturday, but we're in for a mix of sun and cloud by Sunday with slightly cooler conditions. Again, we are here live with the CP holiday train. We're getting a little bit of a preview before it rolls into Toronto. Going to be a great night of holiday cheer. Nathan, I'll send it back inside to you. All right. Thanks so much, Lindsay. And a reminder that the CTV Toy Mountain campaign is now well underway. We're helping the Salvation Army build a mountain of toys, and there are ways you can help too. Head to toymountain.ca, click on Toronto. Also tonight, spewing lava and ash over the skies of Hawaii. What officials are warning residents tonight about the world's oldest active volcano. On air, online, on every platform. Escape tragedy by mere moments. CTV News Toronto. A story you'll only see here. Winner of the Canadian Screen Award for Best Local Newscast. We have developing details. Watch weeknights at 6. The Canadian government is expressing support for the rights of protesters to be heard in China. Canadians uh, are watching very closely. Uh, obviously, everyone in China uh, should be allowed to express themselves, uh, should be allowed to uh, you know, share their, um, their perspectives uh, and uh, indeed protest. We're going to continue uh, to ensure uh, that China knows we'll stand up for human rights, we'll stand uh, with people who are expressing themselves. On the weekend, mainland China saw its biggest wave of civil disobedience since President Xi Jinping took power. Simmering anger over strict lockdowns and other COVID prevention policies sparked protests. But the demonstrations have subsided for now, at least after more police were deployed in the major cities. Canada and other NATO allies reiterated their support for Ukraine as winter approaches. We will make sure that we continue to support Ukraine through tough winter months. And at the same time, we'll make sure that the Putin regime is held accountable. The alliance is promising more arms and equipment to help restore power and heat knocked out by Russian attacks. NATO foreign ministers in Bucharest are discussing ways to keep Ukrainians safe and warm and to sustain the country's military through a winter campaign. There is no threat right now, but people on Hawaii's big island are being told to be ready in the event of a worst-case scenario. Lava and ash continue to pour from the world's largest active volcano. The areas where they are emerging are far from homes and communities, but officials warn an eruption can be very dynamic, and the location and advance of lava flows can change quickly. There are about 20,000 people on the island. A new report is raising the alarm about the fate of many species in Canada. This includes iconic species that Canadians love, such as the southern resident killer whale, the monarch butterfly, the spotted owl, or have come to depend on, like the Atlantic cod. And as others have pointed out, we know this is part of a wider global emergency. More, more than 2,200 species are at risk of dying out. They include plants, animals, fish, and other wildlife. 
The Canadian Endangered Species Conservation Council says an additional 135 are already extinct. Seven of them were never found anywhere else, so they're likely gone from the planet completely. More than 50,000 of the 80,000 species identified in Canada were assessed in the report. Pakistan is home to more than 3 million Afghan refugees, some of whom are destined to come to Canada. And many are begging for a quicker passage as they struggle with deplorable living conditions. CTV's Jinvia Boshiman is in Islamabad with more. So we're right here in the heart of Islamabad, and this is one of two tent cities that have been set up in parks. In this particular one here, there are 57 families of Afghan refugees who've been here for about eight to ten months, and they're living in these tents that you're seeing behind me. And they're living, there's so many children here, entire families, they have nowhere else to go. They have no paperwork, they're not registered with the UNHCR, they have very little food, very little money, and these are their homes, and they're not sure what the future holds for them. Now, in these tents, it's very, very basic needs. There are beds set up, um, they have water that they get about a 15-minute walk from here. So they carry these jugs and they go to a local mosque here to get their water and that's where they also shower when uh, the local authorities allow them to do that. They're very desperate for any help that they can get. Some of them had a very different life in Afghanistan. One of them was a school teacher, Susan, school principal, and another one is a teaching the students here, she learned English through a Canada fund and she is here and we were in her tent a few minutes ago and all the children, very, very young children gather around her and they sing their ABCs. They want to learn how to speak English. They're desperate to do that, desperate that someone will come to help them. Now, it's estimated there's about three million Afghan refugees here in this country. Uh, many of them have been here since way before uh, the Taliban t take over, but many of these people here have only been here for a few months, and now there's winter that's coming. They will be very cold. Very many of them say they have very few blankets, and this is their lives now. Genevieve Boshmay, CTV News, Islamabad. Three high-flying construction workers are heading into orbit. China launched a rocket today carrying astronauts who will complete the work on the country's space station. The crew is tasked with expanding the facility to its maximum size. The six-month mission will be the last in the construction phase. The station's third and final module docked with the station earlier this month. Apple Music has released its end-of-year list for most streamed music of 2022. Stay by Kid Leroy and Justin Bieber topped the global song charts. Elton John and Dua Lipa's Cold Heart remix was number one on the streamer's Shazam chart. We Don't Talk About Bruno from the movie Encanto was the song with the most read lyrics in the past year. Will Smith reached out to Chris Rock again today after slapping the comedian at the Oscars in March. So I will, I will say to you, uh, Chris, I apologize to you. Uh, my behavior was unacceptable, and I'm here whenever you're ready to talk. Um, 
Smith also apologized to Rock's family in a video posted on Instagram. The actor added that it hurts him to know he didn't live up to the image people had of him. The Academy has banned Smith from attending the Oscars for the next 10 years. Stars Tonight is brought to you by Lastman's Bad Boy. Who's better? Nobody. After the break, with little at stake, Canada's soccer fans are moving on. The migration to other nations will still have a shot at the World Cup. RSV signs and symptoms. Tomorrow on CP24 Breakfast. With cases rising, how parents can minimize the risk and help kids recover. CP24 Breakfast, where Toronto gets its everything every morning. I don't feel safe at the school because um, the type of stuff that's happening here, like, it's going to make me want to switch schools now. Updating our top story, students are speaking out about safety concerns at York Memorial Collegiate Institute. Police were called to the school today to break up a fight with students and staff saying violence has taken over several washrooms in the building. This is a historic moment for all unions and public service workers. This is an example again of what can be accomplished when workers and unions stand and fight together. Unions are applauding a court decision to strike down Bill 124, which limited wage increases for public sector workers. Now the province says it intends to appeal the ruling. I think we have to ask city staff to dig deeper into this. A counselor is working to take out the trash as data obtained by CTV News shows illegal dumping is on the rise in Toronto. The city has received roughly 750 complaints about trash dumped on public roadways, which is up from roughly 300 a year before the pandemic. Ford is cancelling all 2020-23 appearances at Canadian auto shows. The company says neither its Ford nor its Lincoln brands will be shown at the popular events. The automaker says it's focusing on developing electric vehicles and learning new ways to connect with consumers. It's unknown if franchise dealers will be able to set up their own smaller displays. The Canadian International Auto Show is set to take place in February. Suncor has scrapped a plan to sell its gas stations. Andrew Bellabian and Bloomberg explains why and more in our business report. Hello there. Suncor Energy has decided to retain its Petro-Canada stations, which account for almost one-fifth of Canadian retail fuel sales, after reviewing the asset for possible sale. An analyst at Desjardins says the Petro-Canada assets will be crucial for Suncor in the energy transition, including the build-out of electric vehicle charging stations. One estimate had put the potential after-tax proceeds from a sale at almost $9 billion. Royal Bank of Canada has agreed to buy the Canadian unit of HSBC Holdings for $13.5 billion. The deal gives Royal Bank, already Canada's biggest lender by assets, about 130 more branches, including more than 40 in British Columbia. Scotia Capital says the purchase price is a little jarring versus speculation in the 8 to $11 billion range, but also noted that cost savings planned by Royal help make the financials of the deal, quote, actually quite compelling. And finally, Canada's economy is sputtering amid a downturn in housing. StatsCan says economic growth was zero in October, according to preliminary estimates, after a small gain in September. 
household consumption fell, and residential construction and investment plunged. Let's check in on the markets. The Canadian dollar changed hands at 73.61 US cents, down almost half a cent. WTI oil, the North American benchmark, changed hands at $78.20, up 96 cents US a barrel. Western Canadian Select Oil was at $49.01, up 56 cents. And the Toronto Composite Stock Index finished the day at 20,277.41, up just over 56 points. That's the latest in business. I'm Andrew Bell of BNM Bloomberg. Canada cannot move on. We know that. But they still have one more game to play at the World Cup on Thursday. And they're hoping to make history by getting a win. And while fans are still rooting for the home team, many are deciding which other team to adopt for the remainder of the tournament. CTV's Sean Lethong has the story. Buchanan with the cross in towards Alfonso Davies! While Canada has made its mark at the World Cup, the team is mathematically eliminated. Today, at Café Diplomatico, fans are moving on. Nearly everyone in Canada has a default team, and my default team is England. With fans gathering to watch England versus Wales, many, like Trevor Marks, have cheered for England for years, but now... Canada number one, always. As time goes on, my affiliation to Canada will grow, and at some point, maybe, it might overtake that of, of England, so let's see. This group of English expats have been living in Toronto for years and were quick to back Canada. I was hoping Canada would do well because then maybe more people would be into football over here, but uh, yeah, maybe next time. But their primary team remains England with a unique style of support. Meat pie, sausage roll, come on England, give us a goal. Marcus and for those looking for another team, both England and the United States secured their place in the knockout round with victories today. For some, the support is much more general. We're just here to support any team that's, that's putting in their efforts. It's any team that's putting in the work. And a goal worthy of a moment of such magnitude. As for Canada, they do have one more chance to get the country's first World Cup win on Thursday in their final match against Morocco. Sean Lethong, CTV News. And CTV and TSN are the official broadcasters of the FIFA World Cup in Qatar. That's where you can catch Canada's final match Thursday at 10 a.m. And just ahead, the global movement to get you to add giving to your Tuesday to-do list. Why your generosity is needed more than ever. Tonight, Canadian wildlife under threat. Quite simply, we must halt and reverse nature loss. The search for solutions with thousands of species in danger of being wiped off the planet. That story and more later on CTV National News. And a reminder, the CTV News at 6 podcast is available as a download every weeknight. You can also listen to the newscast live on News Talk 1010. Get Toronto's top stories, breaking news alerts, and watch live. Download the CTV News app. Today isn't just any old Tuesday, it's Giving Tuesday, the official kickoff to the giving season for Canadian charities. As financial pressures weigh heavily on so many, advocates hope those who can give, even in some small way, will make the effort this year. TTV's Beth McTennell reports. People passing through Young Dundas Square picked up a warm drink and a cookie as part of Fred Victor's holiday fundraising campaign, kicking off on the 10th year of Giving Tuesday in Canada. 
Share the Warmth aims to raise donations through the shelter's online catalog of gifts. And as they are probably already like shopping for gifts to their friends and families, to also think about those uh, who experience homelessness and, and live in poverty and most likely this holiday season is, is the hardest time of the year for them. Serving 3,000 people every day in Toronto, Fred Victor is trying to raise $500,000, the most ambitious goal to date over the festive season. With high inflation and families struggling financially this year, many charities say the need to help the vulnerable is greater than ever. Canada Helps, which co-founded Giving Tuesday, says 22% of Canadians are planning to access charitable services in the next six months, up significantly from one year ago. The day is meant to be a way to talk about and celebrate generosity. Right now we're seeing a lot of um, interest in Ukrainian relief. We also have seen a lot of interest in the past year in, in Indigenous uh, charities and causes. A terminal diagnosis when you're that young was earth-shattering, to say the least. Shortly before the pandemic, Janet Finaki lost her husband, a father of two, to an aggressive brain tumor. The family started a fund to cover health-related services for others, going through a similar ordeal. Over time, they've had to get creative to raise more money, like their resilient T-shirts. After Black Friday and Cyber Monday, Fanaki says Giving Tuesday is an opportunity to remind people of the need. And if there's a way that you can help them, it really does make you feel better. By giving, you're not just helping somebody else, you're really helping yourself too. Back at Young Dundas Square, Fred Victor says donations are coming in. Hopeful people will find it in them to give. Beth McDonnell, CTV News. For one last look at the holiday train with Lindsay Morrison. Hey, Lindsay. Hey, Nathan and Michelle. And if you're in a giving mood, you can come on down and check out the train and donate to the local food bank, the Daily Bread, tonight. Conditions are looking good for checking out the CP holiday train. Let's take one more look at the weather. It's through the overnight and into tomorrow that things are going to become a little more active. Temperature holding steady tonight, but it feels a little bit colder than that temperature suggests. Our mildest point is in the morning, but it will be windy, it will be rainy, and then we could get a few flurries tomorrow afternoon. There's one more look at the seven-day forecast, calmer by the time we reach Thursday, which of course is the first day of December. It's been lots of fun broadcasting live from the CP holiday train. It's big stop tonight is downtown Toronto. If you're headed out, enjoy. Nathan and Michelle, I'll send it back to you. Will do. Thank you, Lindsay. Be sure to join Omar Sachedina tonight at 11 for CTV National News, followed by Zoraida Allman with our next local newscast at 11.30. In the meantime, our coverage continues anytime on CP24 and online at ctvnewstoronto.ca. For Lindsay Morrison and all of us at CTV News, thank you for watching and have a good night.